Welcome to Uptown. We appreciate you making us a part of your day. We're here to empower, encourage, and uplift you on your journeys. We invite you to join us. We have Wednesday night Bible study at 6.30 p.m., Sunday service at 11 a.m., and you can watch us online. Glad you're here. Let's begin today's message. Last week, we talked about the birth of Christ. We talked about how Jesus came into the it came into the world. We talked about how Jesus was born and we talked about how Jesus was conceived. But before then, we talked about how God's word was spoken through the prophets. We talked about last week, we talked about out of Deuteronomy chapter 18, we talked about how the Bible said that, 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 that you know when the prophet is speaking because his word will come to pass. We understood last week that we talked about that, that God's word does not come back to him void. That he used the prophets in order to prophesy and, and, and to bring Jesus Christ into fruition. We talked about that because, like I said, I, I was touched by watching that young man receive his life on that football field. But God showed me something all at the same time is that everybody don't know who I am. They were praying because everybody else was praying. But they really didn't know who I am. So I, I, I said, okay, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to do this? And he, he said, I want you to explain my word explain how my son came and then explain what his death meant. Amen? So that's what we're going to be doing today. I'm going to kind of go back and get a brief synopsis of, of what I talked about last week, but I just want to use a section. I want to, I want to talk about how God used Abram. And he used Abram because the blessing came through Abram. He told Abram, you leave your father's house and I'll tell you where to go. And so Abram got his wife Sarah and they left the fa his father's house and God told him where to go. And then God promised him something and gave him the promise. He said, you will be blessed and you will be called the father of many nations and who curses you, I shall also curse and and Abram went on about his way. And God said, I'm going to bless a seed from you. A seed shall come. And what ended up happening is that Abram listened to the wrong voice. Abram listened to the voice of his wife, Sarah. And because he did that, something took place is that the Bible said that through his seed, his seed shall be blessed. And, and he was able to give a son through his maidservant or Sarah's maidservant, Haggai. And, and she birthed him a son called Ishmael. But that's not what God wanted. That wasn't the promise. He, Abram was listening to a voice beside God. But God still was true to his word because the Bible said his word should not come back to him void. So what God had to do, and he was showing us salvation through Abram. So he continued the same covenant or the same promise, but now he told Abram, now I am about to change your name to Abraham. So when he changed his name to Abraham, the same blessing that Abram had was still upon Abraham. But now God was going to be able to use Abraham and not Abram. The seed that Abram had produced was Ishmael. 
but the seed that Abraham was about to produce was Isaac. And Isaac is the one that the promise was going to come from. So what are you saying this morning, Pastor, is that God showed us what salvation looked like through Abraham. That he was still the same man, Abram, but now he was new in Abraham. The blessing was still the same. Everything was still in order. But now the promise that God wanted through Abram came through, when he changed his name to Abraham, the promise came through Isaac. Salvation. God showed us salvation through one man. 42 generations later, through this same man, Jesus Christ came. To bring us what? Salvation. Amen? When we talk about covenant, is that, is that God, he had made a covenant with Abram. And he was not going to break his covenant because his promises was through Abram, but he had to make his promises come to fruition through Abraham. The Bible said that he told Abraham, now you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to circumcise yourself. And the Bible said that Abraham was old in age and he had to circumcise himself. In other words, he had to shed blood. The Bible said that, that as he circumcised himself, that he solidified his obedience to God in the covenant. What am I saying? Is that Jesus Christ came and he brought upon us the new covenant. What he did upon the cross, he, he died upon the cross and he shed his blood upon the cross. And he brought forth the new covenant. The Bible says, and the curtain in the temple tore in two. But you will say, you say, Pastor, but, but how do I circumcise myself now? I'm going to read something out of Romans chapter 2 before I go into my Scripture, because I want you to see where the circumcision is coming from. Romans chapter 2, I'm going to start in verse 28. Nope, I'm going to start in verse 26. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Verse 27. And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are the transgressor of the law? Key verse 28. For he is not a Jew, who is one outwardly, nor is the circumcision that is outwardly in the flesh. Verse 29. And he, who, and he is a Jew who is one out inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. Amen? The Bible is saying that the circumcision now is of the heart. Amen? In the spirit and not the letter of the law, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Amen? So what Jesus Christ did upon the cross, he opened it up 
that the promise that God gave Abraham will be fulfilled and not come back void. That everybody who is, the Bible said, who believes, see, see, see it's, it's, it's something that took place is that the Bible said that Abraham believed and it was accounted as righteous. The Bible said that Jesus said that when Thomas came to him, he said, blessed are those who believe who have not yet seen. The Bible says in the Gospel of John, in the 6th chapter, in the 29th verse, it says, now this is the work of God, just believe. So what am I saying is, is that all we have to do is believe. Amen? If you believe God's word to be true, then you believe what Jesus Christ did upon the cross. And this is what we're about to get into this morning is the death of Jesus and how it brought salvation to mankind. You know, my favorite word is study and show yourselves approved. I'm going to give you three verses. Well, three chapters. I want you to read chapter 22 in Psalms. Read Psalms 22. Read it yourself when you're drinking a cup of coffee or having breakfast or, or just sitting or lounging around. Read Psalms 22. Amen? Now, God's word is true. This, this, is, this is what I'm really trying to get into your spirits right now is that God's word is true. It does not come back to him void. Amen? Verse 1 reads like this in Psalms 22. Verse 1 says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm, sounds like something, doesn't it? Amen? David writes this a thousand years before Jesus Christ. My word does not come back to me void. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 and 46. And let's see what the word says. I just read out of the song, which is the Old Testament. And now I'm going into the New Testament. And now in the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David writes this a thousand years before Jesus Christ was on the cross. God's word does not come back to him void. The Bible said, let every man be a lie and God be true. Amen? We have to understand that, that, that when God speaks something, it's going to come to pass. What we have to understand as, as, as followers of Christ Jesus is that, is that we want a word from God so bad sometimes. Oh, Lord, I need a word. I need a word, Lord. Lord, I... You ain't gave me a word in two weeks. Last time you gave me a word, Lord, we had a cup of coffee together. Well, I'm here to tell you that when God speaks, it happens. Sometimes you better be careful how you want God to speak. Amen? Because when God speaks, it shall come to pass. Psalms 22, verse 7 and 8, reads like this. And all those who see me ridicule me, they shoot out their lip, they shake their head saying, 
He trusted in the Lord and let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Again, I want to remind you that David wrote this a thousand years before Jesus Christ was on the cross. Sometimes we can't wait five minutes for God's word to come to pass in our lives. But God said it last week on Tuesday at five o'clock and, 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 and that's Tuesday again. But nothing, nothing has happened. I want to remind you of something. Abram's, the promise came through Abram. But he listened to Sarah's voice. He did not listen to the voice he was supposed to be listening to. That God had to renew him, renew his mind, renew everything about him and change his name in order for the promise to come through. What am I saying this morning? I'm saying this morning, watch the voices you are listening to. What am I saying this morning is that you have to build your relationship with God to know his voice. Because there are many voices out there that are trying to deceive you. Amen? God's voice will come to pass. The devil's voice will come to deceive. You want to hear a voice so bad, you're sitting around the table with a cup of coffee, your Bible wide open, and you're going through the scripture. Lord, is, is that what, is that what you're telling me that? Is, is you telling me that? Oh, Lord, you flip the page over. Lord, is, is, that, is that what it is for today? Let me give you a word of advice. Read God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. You will know when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The Bible says you study and show yourself approved. If you're able to study and show yourself approved, then you're building your relationship with God. Then you're cutting out the other voices. Then when God speaks to you, you know it's God. You say, oh, okay, that is you. Let me tell you this. The Bible says what is true, what is noble, and what is right. God's not going to tell you to go rob a bank. God is not going to tell you to go slap your wife. That's another voice. Well, don't be sitting there and saying, well, God told me that I, I need some money and, and I need to go over to the bank around the corner and and he said, I'm going to walk in with this pistol and, and they're going to give me the money and I'm going to say hallelujah. That ain't God. That's you. Amen? See, we have to know God's voice. In Mark chapter 15 verse 29 and 30 it reads like this remember what we just read in Psalms now here's the gospel writer Mark and those who passed by blaspheming him wagging their heads saying ah you who destroyed the temple and build in three days save yourself and come down from the cross. Remember I said, I'm going to keep reiterating this, is that David wrote this a thousand years before Jesus was on the cross. Now, I want to, I, I want to put this out there. Now, do you think for one moment, <laughs> this is going to be funny, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, right? 
So why would they want Jesus or why, won't they, why, why would they want the people who are surrounding Jesus to echo what David said? You think they had some paper? Well, I want you to say this and, and you say this. and Okay, now when Jesus is up on the cross, now I want you to walk around and blaspheme him, wagging your heads back and forth and saying, he do destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down. I want y'all to say that. On three. One, two, three. And then everybody walk around and say it. That don't make sense, do it? See? When the world tries to say that that didn't happen, the Bible says and then backs itself up and say it did happen. Amen? Psalms 22 Verse 16 through 18 reads like this. For the dogs have surrounded me. This is David now. I'm not, I'm not into the New Testament yet. This is David still. For the dogs have surrounded me and the congregation of the wicked have en enclosed me and they have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count the bones. We don't think about it in that context is that when they beat Jesus Christ so bad with, with those cattails that they pulled the flesh right out of his body every time they pulled back. Those who seen the passion of Christ, that wasn't even it. It's because the Bible says that his bones were exposed. I can count my bones. This is what the Bible is saying, is that his bones were exposed. And they look at me and stare. And they divided my garments among them, and my clothes they cast for lots. Let's go to Matthew chapter 27, verse 35, and let's read what the gospel says. They crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. God's word was true. They didn't even realize that the word of God was fulfilling itself by their own ignorance. God's word did not come back to him void. It took men to fulfill the prophecy in their ignorance of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53, verse 5, and this is another chapter that I want you to read in your own time, is Isaiah chapter 53. When we talk about Jesus Christ, we have to remember everything that he did for us. We have to remember that God's word spoke it first. Why am I keep going over this? Is because when that young man was laying on the field, everyone was praying. Over 14 million people started praying, they said. Some was praying and didn't even know why they were praying. But I'm explaining to you now why people were praying is because Jesus Christ died upon that cross. Jesus Christ gave each and every last one of us a second chance. How did he do that? Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 in the Bible reads, But he was wounded for our transgressions. Mm. He was wounded for our transgressions. 
He didn't do anything wrong. It was our transgressions that he was wounded and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And the Bible says, and by his stripes, we are healed. Amen? See, we have to understand that the purpose that Jesus Christ came and gave his life was for one particular purpose, was to bring us back into right standing with the Father. That he canceled the debt of sin in us. The Bible said that he was wounded for our transgressions. I'm here to tell you this morning, I know it'd be hard for a righteous man to die for somebody else. We were talking yesterday in our Podcast. We were talking yesterday in our Facebook Live podcast. We're talking, we were talking about marriage. And how the Bible tells us in marriage is that it's God, Jesus, and then the man. And the Bible says that the woman is the weaker vessel. But the Bible also says something that, that it was so critical was that Jesus died for the church. And in the same context, he is saying that the man or the husband must give his life for his wife. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Oh, I love you, baby. Oh, you look so good today. Mm. Uh, your hair smells good. Mm. And then she turned around and looked at you, you going to die for me today? Changed that whole attitude, didn't it? What do you mean die for you? Yeah. Are you going to die for me today? See, we have to understand is that, is that when the Bible talks about the husband dying, he's talking about making the sacrifice. Are you going to make the sacrifice for me today, baby? You said my hair smells good. You say I look good and, and what I got on this, this afternoon. So when I make, when I make you mad, are you going to sacrifice and say I still love you? Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Jesus Christ made that sacrifice, didn't he? For the church. Right? See, we have to understand what sacrifice really means. Sacrifice really means that I'm going to give up something. Amen? Let's read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. If you see what I'm doing is I'm giving you Old Testament Bible about God's word and I'm giving you New Testament Bible. Amen? 1 Peter 2, 24 reads, Who himself bore our sins in his own body. On the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Amen? That's the echo of Isaiah, isn't it? God's word will not come back to him void. Let God be true and every man alive. Because men will lie to you. Well, you know, that really didn't happen. You know what I always tell them? Hold your breath. See what happens. Well, I'm going to have to take a breath after a while. Well, then, the Bible said this is the clearest day that he put, believed his breath or his spirit into Adam and he became a living being. So if God is not real, then I guess your breath isn't either. Amen? Well, well, pastor, that don't make sense. Yeah, it do make sense. 
I bet if you were over in that hospital over at Butterworth, I'm here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, but if you were over at that hospital in Butterworth and you were struggling for some breath, you'd be saying, I need some oxygen. Please give me some oxygen. Why? Because you need it. Bible says, who bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Didn't Isaiah, didn't he say that 800 years before Jesus? He said it. Let me go back here. He says, and he who was wounded for our transgressions. Isn't that the same thing? And he who was wounded for our transgressions. And he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. When you think, I want you to think about this in this context. Jesus Christ said this in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. He said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. I don't give it to you as the world gives it. What is he saying is that he is telling his disciples is that when I'm about to go on that tree, when I'm about to give my life, I'm about to give you peace. And my peace I give you is not like the world gives you. <laughs> you know what the world will give you? Something that's temporal. Oh, I'll give you an example. I'm having a bad day. Now, if any of y'all like me, I, I like shoes. I'll go buy shoes in a minute. I drive Mary crazy because I'll go buy some shoes. She know I'm going through something because I walk in the house with some, <laughs> with some shoes. <laughs> and she'll look at me. She won't say nothing, but, but she'll look at me like, when you get them. <laughs> but I like shoes, and I'll go buy shoes. I'm going through something, and I'm going through it, and, and I'm, you know, and I'll go buy some shoes, and then the shoes will calm me down. And I'll take them home, and I'll run downstairs before she see them. <laughs> I just told her myself. <laughs> Uh, and then when, when, it, when I got up on, she said, where you get them? Oh, I've been there, dude. <laughs> but that's not peace. That's just temporal. That satisfied my flesh for that moment. But the peace of God transcends all understanding. The peace of God has power. When, when they were in the boat and, and, the, and the storm was coming and the Bible said the storm was raging and, 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 and the disciples run down because Jesus is asleep because Jesus is in peace. In the midst of the storm. And they run down there, oh, Jesus, come and save us because we about to die. And Jesus looked at him, oh, ye of little faith. I can imagine Jesus Christ wiping his eyes, boat going up and down all over the place, and they're getting willy-nilly, and, and all of a sudden Jesus walks up on the deck. They all holding on for dear life. And Jesus says, peace, be still. And the Bible said, and the storm ceased right there. When he's talking about the chastisement of our peace was upon him, in other words, he's saying to us is that he already took all that garbage that we're going to go through in our everyday lives, that garbage. I took it. So now you can have peace. 
And then he says, and by his stripes, you were healed. Isaiah 57, Isaiah 53, verse 7 reads like this. And he was opposed and they were afflicted. And he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to slaughter and as a sheep before the shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Again, this was written 800 years before Jesus Christ. Before he even seen Pontius Pilate, this was written. Matthew 27 verse 12 reads like this. And while he was still being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. He answered nothing. Let God's word be true in what? Every man a liar. I'm almost done here. Those who are listening online, like I said, read Psalms 22. Read the whole thing. Read Isaiah 53. Read the whole thing. Isaiah 53 verse 9 reads like this. And he made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? Now, like I said earlier, if the ignorance of man, and they're looking at Jesus on the cross, isn't the first thing that man would have done, is, oh, no, no, don't do that because that's the scripture. Oh, no, don't do that. But this is what God said. Matthew chapter 27, verse 24 reads like this. And when Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, talking about the Jews and everybody who was surrounding Jesus Christ, they are yelling, crucify him, crucify him. They are, they are yelling, free Barakas and crucify Jesus. Pontius Pilate is saying, I know this man has done no wrong. Read Matthew chapter 27. Read all of it. The Bible said that Pontius Pilate was so upset in his spirit that his wife had a dream. Said, don't touch that man. So the Bible said that, that when Pontius Pilate went before them and he could not convince them, he took the water in a basin and he washed his hands. And he said, I am free. This man's blood is upon you. And they're so ignorant. He said, let his blood be upon us. So verse 27. Chapter, 20, chapter 27, Matthew in verse 24 reads, and when Pontius Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather the torment was rising, he took water and he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of this blood, of this just person. I want you to, when you read your Bibles, I want you to understand that that person is in the capital. Mm, interesting, isn't it? That that person is in a capital. Meaning is that it was giving honor to who he was talking to. And he said, and you see it. In other words, Pontius Pilate was saying that I'm doing this in front of you 
and I want you to see it. Amen? Matthew 27, verses 57 through 60 reads like this. Because remember what Isaiah said in 53, 9. He said this, and he made his grave with the wicked, right? But with the rich at his death. Mm. I want you to hold on to it now. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 27, verse 57 through 60. And let's see what God's word says. And when evening had come, now this is, this is when Jesus was on the cross. This is when Jesus had died. And the Bible says, and when evening had come, there came a rich man. What we just read in Isaiah. There came a rich man from Armadia named Joseph, who, 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 who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Now, some say, and some, some of my studies say that, that this Joseph was also an uncle of Mary. See? So, so, so he knew Jesus. But he was a rich man. Now listen to how the Bible says it. He, was, he became a disciple of Jesus. We'll talk about that one Sunday. Amen? I'll, I'll, I'll definitely talk about that one Sunday. This man went to Pilate. Now remember, Pilate done washed his hands, right? This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate already said, I don't want nothing to do with this. I don't want nothing to do with this. But you can have it. Then Pilate commanded the body be given to him. I want you to see something that is taking place right here. See, Pilate already knew in his mind that a just man had just died for something that he didn't do. Pilate was saying, and this is not Bible, this is Greg talking, but Pilate was saying in this context is that I want nothing to do with this. If you want this body, you can have it. I just want him out of my presence. Now watch how the Bible continues to read. And when Joseph has taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth. Say that again. In clean linen cloth. Back in this time, back in this era, is that, is that when you had clean linen it was sparkling white. I'm old enough to remember grandma and them when, when, when they would wash by hand and you could smell the bleach outside and they would have them wooden uh, uh, clothespins and they would hang them clothespins up and them sheets would be just as white as they came out of the store. This linen had never been touched. This linen was brand new. Now watch this in verse 80. I mean verse 60. And he laid it in his new tomb. What did Isaiah say? Let me go back to Isaiah now. Let me go back to Isaiah. He said, and they made his grave with the wicked but with the rich man at his death. Mm. Because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Verse 60, and they laid it in his new tomb, 
which he had honed out of rock. What I like about this particular thing in the Bible, what the Bible is teaching us, is that he had a part in this. He did it. He worked. He cut it out himself. Why? Because it was supposed to be his. He's the rich man. The tomb was supposed to be Joseph's. But yet, the Bible says, and he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. What is God teaching us this morning? God is teaching us this morning that his word is true. His word cannot be refluted. If, if, now I want you to just, I want you to just really kind of think about this for one moment. The devil got tricked so bad that God's word was being fulfilled right in his face and he didn't even realize it. Think about it in this context. If I really knew something that was about to happen, I said, Lynn, I don't want you to do that. No, we're going to put him in this old raggedy tomb over here. They already got four bodies in it. See, it didn't happen like that, though, did it? It happened the way God said it was going to happen. When God speaks a word, it comes to pass. That's why I'm telling you this morning is to please study your word. Build your relationship with God. Allow Jesus Christ to come into your heart and circumcise your heart. Allow salvation to come unto you today. Because of what Jesus Christ did upon that cross. The Bible said, by his stripes you are healed. You are healed. No matter what you're going through. We were having Bible study on Wednesday night at 6.30. And, and one of the topics, one, this, one Wednesday, we got into the topic of, of suicide of how people are, are being deceived and killing themselves. Yes, it's a mental illness, but Jesus Christ took 72 thorns and he put it upon his head that by his stripes we are healed. What am I saying this morning is that if you're going through something in your life and you know you're going through it, there's help out there. You're not by yourself. You're not by yourself. If somebody is putting a voice in your head and saying that you are better off dead, then that's not the voice of God. God is telling you that I come to give you life and life more abundantly. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. What is he trying to destroy? He is trying to destroy what God had placed inside of you. If he can destroy what God has placed inside of you, then he can turn around and say, you are a lie. But I tell you this, let God be true. And every man a lie. I'm standing here this morning because of prayers of my grandmother and she's been gone home. She didn't live long enough to see this. But her prayers did. What am I telling you this morning is that we saw how the power of prayer brings life. When you sit down and you build your relationship with God and you're going through something, pray you say, Pastor, but how does that help me? Believe. 
believe. You don't know your phone may ring right at that moment and say, hey, what you going through? You want to talk? You don't know how God is going to bless. But you got to give him a chance. You have to give God the opportunity to bless you. You can't be like Abram and try to rush the blessing. Allow God to bring Isaac in your life. Allow God to bless you. I'm going to end. But I want to end with this note. This week, if I gave you a homework assignment this week, it's going to sound simple. But wake up in the morning and say, God, I believe you. As you walk into the car, say, God, I believe you. As you're driving down the street, say, God, I believe you. Before you walk into the office or you walk into work, say, God, I believe you. While you're sitting at your desk or whatever else you're doing in your work day, in the middle of it, say, God, I believe you. When the devil tries to come and throw that little voice in your ear saying, devil, you are a lie. I believe God. Amen? I'm telling you something this morning, those of you who are listening online and here, is that if you put this in your spirit, when things come up that you know that are not from God, you can stand on the foundation of Christ Jesus and say, God, I believe you. Let's stand and pray. The altars are open. If you need prayer, please come down. I pray that you got something out of this this morning. Next week, y'all study it yourself, so we're going to have some fun. But next week, we're going to talk about the circumcision of the heart. Because it goes hand in hand.